we, uh, I guess because of the calendar this year, whatever, we had the shortened thing. So you kind of went, it was, it was like hyperspeed. You went from Thanksgiving to Christmas, literally all at one time. It was like, boom, it, there it was. But uh, that's okay. That's all right with me. I, I, as much, I love Thanksgiving, but I love Christmas. I, I love Christmas music. You know, there's kind of that rule. You can't really listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. So I secretly start listening to it about three or four weeks in advance just in my headphones. I don't listen. I don't let it, but nobody else knows. But I do because I, I, I love Christmas music. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's, it's a great time. It's, it's a blessing to just be reminded. I mean, to me, uh, the culture that we live in today, such a cool thing to have this month of the year. I know there's a lot that goes on, but at the end of the day, really focused on Jesus. Good deal. So this morning, we, we've been taking communion uh, the last few months on the first Sunday of every month, and I just felt that sometimes uh, communion is one of those things that even in a non-traditional church like ours can sort of become tradition and then sort of evolve past tradition to where it's just sort of a routine that you do without thinking about it. So what I've tried to do, I thought through the fall and probably end today, maybe we'll go another month, I don't know yet, but it's just to, on that first Sunday as we share communion, to really take a little time, talk about it, think about it, and, and, and kind of refocus our hearts again on what it means. And so this morning, um, as we kind of enter into the Christmas season and we take communion today, I'm, I'm actually, I, I want to share uh, an Easter story today. And it, it's, uh, it's to me, it's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. And I was thinking about it this week. I read it, you know, several times over and I thought, I think it's one of the most beautiful stories anywhere. Not just in the Bible. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at the uh, Gospel of Luke today. Uh, let's pray real quick, and then we'll read. I want to read it through together. It's a little bit of a long passage, but read the story together, and then we'll talk about it. So, Lord, um, as we uh, are reminded of you and think of you and your birth this month, I, I pray that our hearts would be stirred with all that you are, all that you meant, all that you did, all that you came for. Uh, in our lives, and even this morning as we share in your supper, that you would do that as well. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so again, uh, I'll have it on the screen, but this is from uh, towards the end of the gospel, Luke chapter 24. It's uh, a little bit later in the day on Easter Sunday. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the, the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So, contextually, for us, for Christians, for us today, and for millions and millions and millions of Christians that have lived all over the world, all throughout history, Easter Sunday is Resurrection Day. And it's the greatest day in history. It's an awesome day. But that first Easter... <laughs> was not really like that in the sense that the, the disciples and that handful of people who had really committed themselves to following Jesus. Now, I think there were a lot of people, many, many people who Jesus touched their lives and were influenced by him. But there was a smaller group who really had committed to following him. And I think for them, that first Easter was not the glorious day that we think of it as. It was, it was probably... Um, you know, a, a very, very confusing, sad, weird, all of the above kind of day. I mean, you talk about, you know, an emotional roller coaster. We've all had those seasons of life, or sometimes it can happen in, in the course of a day or in a few hours where you're excited about something and then you're disappointed or you're sad and you kind of know what it's like to go up and down. If you think about this group of people in one week, there had been this moment of of triumph and jubilation, Hosanna, 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 when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And then there was a sense of fear as he is uh, arrested and, 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 and all of that begins to take place. And then, you know, there, there is a, a tremendous sense of fear that actually becomes denial as they say, wait a minute, we, we don't even, we don't know him. We don't know anything about that guy. And they go from there in a very short period of time from fear to just being brokenhearted. And from brokenhearted to, to really, really confused as to what had gone on and, and what had, had really happened. And so 
for me, thinking of these two disciples, these two followers of Jesus, and, and really what, what they're doing is they're going home. They're going back to where they live. They've been in Jerusalem because Jesus was in Jerusalem, uh, and it's over. And, and they begin to walk home when this uh, stranger comes up. And it says that they were downcast. I, I think uh, it had to be just the most uh, deep sense of weariness. I, know, I don't know if you ever go through an emotional time like that, but it, it drains you. It wears you out. So they're sad and they're, and they're weary. They're tired. They're, they're disappointed. And uh, so they're just going home. It's kind of an interesting situation, I think. It speaks to me so loudly of our lives. Because how many times is it that our emotions and, and our feelings cloud us and keep us from seeing Jesus? How many times have I had somebody say to me, he's not here, when really he's right there. And the truth is, because we're so disappointed, because we're so sad, because we're so confused, we can't see that he's there. And to me, if there's an application in the message, I think it's that. I think it's that Jesus is with us. He's walking side by side. He's there. He, he wants to hear. He wants to know, even when we can't see him. I, I, I love the way he sort of takes on the role of therapist here, and he draws them out. We don't know what's going on. We, 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 we really don't know. And, and he says, tell me about it. Tell me what happened. You know there was disappointment in their heart. And you know that, to me, one of the most devastating phrases in Scripture was they, they begin to tell about who Jesus was, and they said, but we had hope. Their hope was gone. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. They had a sick heart. They were downcast. They were broken. Because they really believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was going to come and redeem Israel and save them, and then that didn't happen. And so they walk along. They walk seven miles. Good walk. Back to their home. And first they share, and then Jesus shares. And Jesus goes back through the Scripture from the beginning, and I, I, I love that. I love the idea that sometimes we miss, that the Bible is a continuous story, that it goes on, and he shares all, all of the Old Testament prophets and the history and, and how all of those things were really leading up to who he was and what he was and what he was about. He, he, sh he shares that all with them, and then they get home, and he keeps walking, and I love this too. And let me just, I'll throw a little side comment in here, but they had had a bad weekend. Things had not gone very well. They're worn out, they're tired, their hope is crushed. They just walked seven miles home, and they still invite him in. I just think, man, they learned something from Jesus, didn't they? The fact that uh, even when I'm tired and I don't feel like it, I can extend myself and extend the kingdom. So they, they invite him in, and, and he sits down to a meal with them. And then in a, in a uh, uh, scene, a, a very reminiscent of the Last Supper, and I think clearly intentional 
on Jesus' part. He, it says, took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And, and when he did that, all of a sudden, they realized who it was that they'd been talking to. And um, they were so excited. <laughs> I love this part. They, they get up and walk, run seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell everybody. It's, it's true. It's true. He said it. He saw it. He walked with them. So this morning, we'll take communion together. As we do, I would just pray this, that we would be able to recognize Jesus. Going into this holiday season, and I, and I know as, as wonderful as it is that it's a mixed bag emotionally. It's, it's, uh, it's always a happy time and a sad time. It's a stressful time and a confusing time along with a worshipful time. It's all of that, and I, and I get that. I understand that. And my hope and my prayer this morning as we kind of go in on you know, December 1st into this next few weeks of thinking about Christmas and Jesus and his birth and all that is that as we take communion together this morning, we break bread, that we would really recognize him in these next few days with us side by side everywhere we go and all that we do as we celebrate him. So um, what I want you to do this morning is what we've done the last couple months. Just uh, get into groups, if you would, and there's probably um, you know, two or three groups would be fine. There's not very many of you here today. And then send somebody from each group up to get a roll and a cup and Go back into your groups and then just wait there for a minute and then I'll pray and we'll go ahead and take communion together. So if you want to go ahead, Elliot, and put the communion music on. If you guys want to go ahead and get in groups, we'll get ready.